0: From Integral Life, welcome to Everyone is Right. Brother David Stendhal Rost, the author of Gratefulness, the Heart of Prayer, and a practicing Benedictine monk for over a half a century, discusses why a new understanding of God is needed to carry spirituality into the future.
1: David.
2: Well, as long last we really made contact, thank you for calling.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Listen, how's your health?
2: Okay. Can't complain.
1: Good.
2: At 78, there's always something, but I'm I'm very grateful. Nothing major.
1: How about yourself? uh, Hanging in there. Definitely hanging in there. At 56, it's not necessarily always something, but it's almost (laughs) always something.
2: (laughs) Okay. Congratulations.
1: Lots of things I wanted to catch up on you with And see how things are going And also just sort of check in with various projects And yes. see what's up See how we can help Touch bases on this, that, and the other And so sort of in no particular order We can go down and check in on a few of these Very good, very okay, good Great How's org going? The website and the organization?
2: Very well The website is going very well It's continuously going and we are very happy with it. We have now every day about 5,000 people coming. Uh, that's not kick-ons, but it's individual people. Right. So that's pretty good. And more and more from very internationally, we are over 200 countries, Right. like from Netherlands and Belgium and South Africa and Australia and New Zealand and Norway, the Scandinavian countries. We have Germany, of course. United Kingdom, Canada, we have very many
1: people. Right. Uh,
2: So our next big project is to, it sounds big, but (laughs) it's supposed to be big. Uh, You remember the time in March 2003 when all over the net people were lighting candles for peace? Yes. So we want to give a voice to that emerging superpower, as the New York Times called it, the second superpower. Those people that all over the world want peace. Right. The media, as you know, suppress their voice, and so we want to give them a place where it becomes visible.
1: Right.
2: And we are working on a globe, uh, a spinning globe, where you can see where groups are working for peace.
1: Right. So
2: I've lit up little things. And have the groups light candles regularly, because that's our strongest feature, that candle pay.
1: Mm -hmm. That sounds fantastic, and it does remind us about spirituality or religion on the world scene. And part of the problem, as you know, is that there are so many different types of spiritual orientation or even levels of spiritual engagement, and even the tradition themselves usually make a distinction between exoteric or outward religion and esoteric or inward or contemplative religion. And what's your sense? Don't you find it somewhat ironic and strange that so many of the world's religions in their lower forms or their exoteric forms or even their ethnocentric forms are what keeps human beings at war and yet higher forms of spirituality are what can help overcome it?
2: Yeah, well, I'm totally bewildered by it. And the one thing that really helps me is your tables of spiritual development I really use those and yeah that helps me find a little bit a thread through this labyrinth but it is confusing and as I understand it it's just a lower level of religious development that is extremely exclusive and even belligerent. Right. And we haven't outgrown this as a species. Right. And unfortunately in this country it's very bad right now and that influences the whole world.
1: It's such a shame yeah. In a sense, because it makes the liberal press, for example, very suspicious of religion in general. Yes. Because the only people that are, quote, religious that make it in the news are terrorists from the East and the United States president. I know. <laughs> I think sometimes one can only wait and see.
2: That's all one can do. Yeah. Sometimes the processes like that. I hope you have a more positive view of it but for me it just seems that sometimes processes
1: like that have to wear themselves out to the bitter end right i find it so fascinating bewildering confusing irritating but also encouraging that we do actually take a little more sophisticated and occasionally developmental view of religion or spirituality, if you look at any of the developmental models, even if there are seven stages of development or eight stages or ten stages, there's a certain truth in which every single level or stage of development has its own version of spirituality. And so it's only the lower levels of spirituality that are ethnocentric and fascist and terrorist and so on. Yeah. And the higher levels tend not. They tend to really talk about universal love and universal compassion, and they really mean universal. Yes. And those are the ones that are sort of the way out of war, whereas the lower ones are the way into war.
2: Yes, yes. And there are, I think, at least that's my impression, more people on the higher levels now than there were a couple of decades ago, right, uh, however, this is a race as many other people have pointed out, and the question is who is going to win right, right. <laughs> or, in other words, <laughs> are we going to wake up before it's too late yeah and what do you
1: think about that? I agree with you, it is a horse race, and the problem too, I find is that on any of the developmental scales, in a sense, everybody is born at square one and has to move through these various levels or waves or stages. Yeah. So there's always going to be people going through their fundamentalist or ethnocentric stages on the way to world centric universal love and care yeah. and compassion yeah. and so on. And I'm just very disturbed that the ethnocentric versions of religion or spirituality seem to be dominating the world stage. And I agree with you that there are more people now than there were several decades ago at the higher stages, and I think that's very encouraging, but boy, I'm telling you, it's getting kind of scary out there. There is repression
2: involved in that I have given a lot of thought to. It has to do with the God image, with our God image, or God view, as I like to call it, because just like we have a vague worldview right. that we all share and that contains mostly things that we take for granted, unexamined assumptions. Right. So we have a God view that also contains mostly unexamined assumptions. Right. And that God view is largely shared by those who set their trust in God in that kind of a God and those who oppose it. Right. And my conviction is that this God view and it's basically the theistic God view, yeah. is outdated. It yeah. doesn't serve yeah. us anymore. Yeah. Even some of the Christian thinkers whom I respect, like Marcus Borg, have pushed through to pan-entheistic right.
1: God view, right. which I think is the only one that will carry us in the future. Yeah, I agree. If we have to form an image, as you know, that... Christian mystics are fond of making a distinction between cataphatic and apophatic ways yes. of knowing. And In other words, we can say what God is like, or we can say what God is not. Yes. But God is, is so mysterious and emptiness and unfathomable that we can only experience that as a presence. But then the question is, if we want to come up with a positive image, what God is like, then panentheism is by far the best of the positive images. I agree. Yes.
2: And the interesting thing is... But I'm working on this, and to my surprise, no other Christian theologian has worked that out yet, uh, or pointed this out, is that the Christian view, as it was developed in the very early centuries, during the time that the Trinity was being hammered out, that Trinitarian view is panentheistic. It is definitely not, theistic, but because of the incarnation and of the Holy Spirit that fills the whole universe and so forth. But the time wasn't ripe and the people got scared and they projected that Trinitarian view onto a theistic God. And that has never worked, just hasn't worked, and that it didn't work showed itself in two ways. Either the mystics, and within the Christian tradition, acted as if God were not theistic and just overlooked that part. And those who took that theistic trinity on face value because it was just doctrine and they weren't mystics, they rejected it. They rejected the trinity, like Newton rejected the trinity. So why this is so important to me is that we can show Christians, and after all, that is still the largest denomination or the largest group of religious people, organized religious people in the world. Right. And we can show to those of goodwill that their Trinitarian view, if they take it seriously, is a new God view, new from where we have stopped, so right. to say. It's a panentheistic view, and, right. and it is viable, and it has two completely different implications
1: for inter-religious dialogue and so forth. Well, and panentheism, as you know, is, is certainly much more consonant with the contemplative aspects of the other world's great wisdom tradition. That's traditions. right. That's why I say yeah. It has so many possibilities of interreligious dialogue. It right. opens them up. And then we can go one step further if you want, and this is sort of an optional step for many Christians, but for most modern Christians, they would not have a hard time with this one either, and that is, if you have accepted panentheism as a good type of cataphatic view a metaphor a good image of what God is like if you must form positive yeah. images then you can add a second part and speak of evolutionary panentheism and you've got a very very good overview of a unfolding evolutionary one in many many in one spirit in action view that's compatible with science as well but that's
2: exactly the area in which I am working. yes I understand I two
1: dialogues about this this past year
2: in Europe with a biochemist from the University of Zürich, Luigi Luisi, one of those people that work on the origins of life. Right. And we see more and more how only a pan-entheistic worldview is really compatible with what we know today of science, we can't deny our scientific worldview, we can't deny it. And not only are we forced to it, but this opens tremendous possibilities and just wonderful vistas and wonderful possibilities also for religious experience. You right. know, I look at these documentaries and and they are religious
1: experiences for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is a dialogue that has to happen, and it has to be more common among Christians. And you and I run in in a lot of similar circles in the sense that Father Thomas Keating and Mike Murphy and Brother Wayne and so on, and they all understand what we're talking about. They would all agree with evolutionary panentheism and so on. Why don't more Christians... How do we get this out to more Christians? I mean, it seems to be so few really sophisticated Christian theologians are in on this. What's your read about why that's going so slowly in the Christian? I don't know.
2: I really don't know. There is a religious scholar from what's this the colleges in Claremont Colleges. Yes. From the, Clayton Harris is, Clayton I'm sure is his first name, and he's coming out in November with a book, something from the point of science and from the
1: point of theology. Yeah. And I can't wait to read it. I agree. Well, out of Claremont, that might be also Whitehead influence then. Probably, yes. Yes. Which is also one of the few areas we can count on, because Whitehead, of course, would completely understand an evolutionary panentheism. He right. presented a version of that.
2: But he's
1: not very well thought of by Catholics. No, I, I know. Right. I know. I understand. <laughs> and it's fine. I mean, there are some wonderful positive things about Whitehead, but he's also a very specific approach, and we can develop it without using him. Yeah. No, but we can also use what's good about well, him. Well, Exactly. <laughs> But one does that all the time.
2: Yeah. I can't answer your question why it's not happening. I know too little about the Catholic seminaries and yeah. what's going on in theology schools. So I can't answer the reason why it's not happening. But I fully agree with you and Thomas Keating and all our friends that it ought to happen. Yeah. So is there anything that you and I can do to make it
1: happen? Well, that's the next question, and I think that's sort of what we're one of the reasons I wanted to touch bases with you. Um, it's been a few years since we've seen each other and chatted, and I just wanted to catch up, but I particularly wanted to catch up about this issue because yeah. we're going online with Integral University, and I can talk a little bit about that in a minute, yeah. but one yeah. of the things that we're doing with it is Integral Spiritual Center, and it's just this kind of dialogue that is at the center yeah. of what we want to do here. And so we want to really sit down and think, how can we have a very, very intelligent, sophisticated discussion or dialogue about God view or spirit view, how to have a more accurate image of that which is ultimately unfathomable and ultimately an absolute mystery and ultimately absolute shunyata or emptiness. We understand that. But there are better and worse ways to conceive of spirit. And the old theistic way is about one of the worst ways we can conceive of in today's world. And evolutionary panentheism is about one of the best ways we can conceive
2: of. And when you say better ways, that means not only intellectually more, whatever, accurate. Yeah, appropriate,
1: Appropriate, yeah. Accurate, appropriate.
2: (laughs) 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 Not only that, but for the individual to live by. Yeah. God, we all live by a God view. Yeah. And every single person in the world lives by a God view. Right. And that is also something that needs to be stressed and seen. Yep. They may not call it God, they may be surprised that I call it God, but when the chips are down, they are confronted with the ultimate, right. with somebody whom they tell their stories. Right. And so if you have a God, you might as well have one that empowers you, that keeps you healthy, that right. doesn't poison you, that right. uh, keeps your relationship with
1: others healthy, and so forth. Right. Oh, I fully agree. I mean, Paul Tillich defined God as that which is one's ultimate concern, Right. and so everybody has an ultimate concern. Whether it's money or food, (laughs) they've got something. That's good. That's that's a very good shortcut to what I would say. (laughs) And so I think that's a really good way to hang this dialogue and think about It is one's ultimate concern, and that's one's God view, one's spirit view. And boy, we've just got to update and dust off those old ones because they are not helping. And I agree with you as well that... It's a way of living in the world, and frankly, if your God view is a kind of old theistic God, then that really does lend itself to the kind of stuff we're seeing in the East, or the kind of stuff we're Absolutely. seeing in fundamentalist Christianity, or and, fundamentalist anything. It's, and you have to admit that at least some of the people who are behind
2: it are sincere. Right. It makes it even worse, of course, right. but, but that's they right. are sincere. No, it's, that's true. And that's terrible that something has to be done. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted to hear about your integral university. I've looked at your integral nude. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that also is an entree to integral university and all of that kind of thing. And there's a huge hunger for a spirituality that basically is a kind of evolutionary panentheism. You're right. I yeah. do see
2: that hunger. Yeah. yeah. I think I told you that about this Cortona conferences. It's for the uh, doctoral students of the University of Zürich, yeah. and they go to Cortona in Italy because yeah. they want to broaden their worldview. Right. So, again, together with this per Luigi Luisi, I gave a little workshop there called The Ultimate Questions. And I had about 150 people there, and we had expected that we would have a dozen or yeah. the most 15 students and sit in a little circle and discuss ultimate questions that arise from the conference, from the lectures in the morning, we had 60, we were totally swamped, and I didn't know what to do, it was, actually was a failure,
1: it was terrible because of this great hunger, Yeah, you know? yeah. I agree, and I think that's part of what we really have to do is continue to update the approach of the great wisdom traditions. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it dawned on me, religion or spirituality, I mean, it's a modern discipline. There are still modern and postmodern people that are spiritual, Mm -hmm. but it hasn't shaken off its pre-modern, pre-rational, superstitious roots. It even glorifies them, Mm -hmm. and it's just like going to somebody in astronomy and saying oh you're an astronomer so like you study sagittarius and uh, aquarius and uh, you know thinking that astronomy is the same as astrology it, it hadn't made any modern gains at all it's just crazy as far as roots are concerned i
2: like to encourage roots and rootedness and i think you do
1: too i totally agree with that but yes, we got no that, new
2: branches and that is why it is so important for instance to point out that The Trinity is Pan and
0: Hey, thanks for listening. We at Integral Life have been producing cutting edge discussions and practices for over 15 years now. And most of the conversations are even more relevant today than when they were originally published, which is why we call them evergreen conversations. They never fade. They never spoil, and they only become more valuable the longer we sit with them. Which is why we're making many of these classic discussions available to you. Each week, we're featuring one of these conversations here on our Everyone is Right podcast. So be sure to subscribe to this feed with your favorite podcast app. We'll also continue to post excerpts and sometimes full episodes from our ongoing conversations at IntegralLife.com. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, we invite you to become a supporting member in order to access our premium audio and video podcast, as well as to help support the emergence of integral voices in the world. You can get your first month for only $1, which will give you access to our full library of perspectives, practices, and presentations, all designed to help you thrive in today's ever-changing and quickly evolving world.